Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome once again to our Bible study in the book of Romans. Um, the title of our lesson tonight is Saved by Grace, Judged by Works. And we're going to be in Romans chapter 2, verses 6 through uh, 10. Let's first read our verses. Paul writes this, He will render to each one according to his works. To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek. But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek. Now, whatever else this passage teaches us, and by the way, we're going to see it teaches us a lot, there is one thing that is just absolutely incredibly important. And that is, whoever you are, from a ditch digger to a Supreme Court justice, when your life is over on this earth, God is going to give you one of two things. He's going to give you eternal life, or he's going to give you eternal wrath. Hebrews 9.27 says this, And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. You know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the Supreme Court Justice, died here a week or so ago, and there's just, you know, numerous articles and things written about her, and I found one headline that just basically said the exact truth. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, dead at 87. Now comes the judgment. You see, the fact is, when that day comes, it doesn't matter what people think about you or said about you or thought about you. It only matters what the creator of the universe thinks because he's the one that's going to be doing the judging. And all of human history just it moves inexorably forward toward this day, toward this day of judgment. And the fact is, if we're all going to face Jesus Christ on that day, then we better know the parameters he's going to use to judge us or the criteria that he's going to use to judge us. And Paul tells us in today's passage what that parameters or what those parameters are. In verse 6, he will render to each one according to his works. Now, before we delve into that statement a little bit, I want to make sure you understand that I'm not just taking one passage of Scripture and, and teaching a lesson on it. This idea or this concept of being judged according to your works is found all throughout Scripture. For example, Jeremiah 17.10, I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. Isaiah 3, 10 through 11, Tell the righteous that it shall be well with them, for they shall eat the fruit of their deeds. But woe to the wicked, it shall be ill with him, for what his hands have dealt out shall be done to him. Now you may say, well, that's, that's the Old Testament. That's before Jesus came. Well, Matthew 16, 27, Jesus prophesied this, For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and he will repay each person according to what he has done. And there it is again, done. And of course, the bellwether uh, uh, scripture on this is Revelation 20, where it says, I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. Once again, back to the works. Now, the thing we need to see at this point is, is what God is going to use to judge us. It's not going to be what family you're from, what nation you were born into, your race, your ethnicity. 
It's not going to be what church you went to, what denomination you belong to, what uh, career you chose. It's going to be our works. It's going to be what we have done. Now, at this point, a lot of Christians will sit there because there's this idea uh, among Christians that some, maybe we're not going to be judged. So let's ask a couple questions. Will Christians be judged by our works? Well, let me answer that first with this. Absolutely. Yes. Now, before I delve into that answer, I need to make something very clear. The Bible is extremely clear that you cannot be saved by your works. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Paul says again in Titus 3, 5, He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. So the, so the Bible is very clear that you cannot be saved by works. God asks nothing of us but to put our faith in him, to believe in him, to trust in him. That's it. That's how we're saved. But faith doesn't mean that I, now that I receive Jesus, I can just do whatever I want to do. In fact, on the contrary, true faith always results in good works. James 2.17 says it this way, Faith by itself, without any works, is dead. And those works that we do will be judged. Now, let's go back to talking about Christians being judged. 1 Corinthians 3.11-15 through 15. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw... Each one's work will become manifest or will become known for the day of judgment will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. And by the way, fire always um, represents judgment in the Bible. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. But if anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. So what's, what's Paul talking about? Well, let's just take my, I'll take myself as an example. I stand here tonight before you, and I'm, I'm teaching a lesson. I've spent hours preparing, and, and now I stand up and I teach this lesson. Now, one day, this lesson that I teach, this work that I've done, will be judged. And if I've done it for the wrong reasons, if I've done it because I want somebody to pat me on the back, if I've done it because I want to look like this great spiritual kind of guy, if I've done it because it makes me feel good about myself, any of those reasons, it'll be burned up and I'll suffer loss. There'll be no reward for that. There's no punishment. We'll talk about that in a second. But there's no reward. But if I've done it because I truly want to glorify God, if I've done it because I, I truly believe that I've been called to exhort and, and encourage and admonish through the work to teaching the Word of God, if I've done it because of those reasons, then the Bible says that'll stand the test of judgment and I'll receive a reward. 2 Corinthians 5.10, by the way, this is a, a letter that, that Paul is writing to the church, says this, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. So will Christians be judged? Will our works be judged? Absolutely they will. But here's, a, here's another way to put it. Will Christians be condemned or will Christians be punished? Absolutely not. You see, the fact is our sins have already been paid for on the cross by Jesus Christ. He bore them in his body on the tree. There's nothing left to be paid for in that area. 
John 3.18 says it this way, Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Romans 8.1, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. John 5.24, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, and he's talking about judgment for our sins, but we have passed from death to life. So yes, we will be judged for our works done after we've been saved. Now, let's ask another question. Why do our works matter so much? Why do our works matter so much? Well, let me give you four reasons why that is. Number one, although we cannot be saved by good works, we are absolutely saved for good works. Go back to that passage in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For by grace you've been saved through faith. It's a gift of God, not a result of works. Paul, in the very next verse, verse 10, says this, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. So the very one of the very reasons we are saved is we are created for good works. That's why good works always flows from salvation. Number two, why would God do that? Why would he save us for good works? Because our good works glorify him. Matthew 5, 16, Jesus said in the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. The third reason our works matters, your works are evidence of who you really are. You see, the actions, the behaviors, the words of men and women reflect who they are on the inside. There's a direct connection between our behaviors and our actions. There's a direct connection down to our heart. Have you ever, have you ever seen, I'm sure you all have, there's a famous person and, and maybe they've been called out in a lie or maybe they've been called out in, in, in doing something they shouldn't have been doing and they always issue this apology. And for some reason, they always say this, that's not who I really am. And I always think, well, I'm sure it is. Of course that's who you really are. Um, because it came out. I used to uh, have, a, have an acquaintance who was a nice guy. And uh, 90% of the time. But whenever he got stressed out, uh, whenever things got problematic around him, he would just turn mean. I mean, he would just be mean. And I remember a conversation I had with somebody one time. I said, you know, so-and-so is a nice guy, but when he gets stressed, he gets mean, but that's not really who he is. And I'll never forget what that person said to me. They said, no, Derek, you've got it backwards. That is who he is. You see, as long as things are going good and everything's flowing well, he can hide it. But as soon as things get problematic, as soon as there's stress in his life, the real him, he can't hide it anymore, and it comes out. You see, who we are on the inside is going to come out in our behaviors. Jesus said it as simply as this, Matthew 7, 16, you will recognize them. In other words, you'll see who they really are by their fruits. And then he's, Jesus does what he always does, says something so profound yet so simple. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from, from thistles? That's a rhetorical question, obviously. The answer is no. Uh, figs are produced from fig trees. Uh, uh, grapes are produced from grapevine. Good works are produced from Christians, from changed creatures. Matthew seven twenty one. Jesus said, Not everybody that says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom, but the one who does. You see, our actions matter. They reflect who we really are. Number four, and I wanted to add this one in. 
Over the years, I've been asked this question numerous times. Uh, people say, hey, I just don't know if I'm really a Christian. How do I know that I'm really saved? Well, let me tell you, the Bible would never leave that question unanswered. Because, see, our works are the test of whether we know him. 1 John 2, 3 through 6 says this, Now by this we know that we know him. What's the test? If we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him, but doesn't keep his commandments, that person's a liar, and the truth is not in them. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. Are you keeping his commandments? Do the actions on the outside reflect what's truly on the inside? You see, when it comes to God's judgment, there's only really two classes of people in the world. There's sheep and there's goats. Sheep are those who do, do the will of God and strive to keep his word and his commands. And goats, there are those who, who don't. And your works reflect which one of those you, you are. Or to put it another way, the outside is evidence of what's on the inside. One of my favorite scriptures, and I know for, for many of us, is Philippians 2, 12 through 13. Paul says this, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it's God who works in you. And I've underlined those two words, out and in. You see, it's God's responsibility to work in us. He's the one that regenerates. He's the one that recreates. He's the one that gives us a new heart. But it's our responsibility to work that on the outside, to let what's on the inside flow forth into good works. Jesus said it this way, Luke 6.45, The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. The evil person out of the evil treasure of his heart produces evil. It's as simple as that. What are all these verses saying? Well, it's the same we have at our church. We've all heard it numerous times. True salvation equals a changed life. Good works flow from a changed heart. Now, I want you to see how Paul describes good works. What are these good works he's talking about? Uh, is he talking about feeding the homeless? Is he, is, he, is he talking about going to church? Let's see what he says. Let's read verses uh, 6 through 8. He will render to each one according to his works. To those who by patience in well-doing. Now let's stop right there. I want you to notice the word patience reflects endurance. This isn't just a person who does good for a little while. Listen, we've all seen that, have we not? How many times through the years have we seen people come into church and, and, and they want to change their life? And they can do it for a little while. They can do it for a, a few minutes. They can do it, or, or, I mean, a few uh, months. They might can do it for maybe even for a few years. But eventually, they can't do it any longer. Why? Because it's not who they are. They, they've been putting on an act, and you can only do that for so long. See, what Paul is talking about is a person who does it year after year after year after year. And it's not hard for them because it's who they are on the inside. It's not an act. It's, it's real life. Let's look at what he says about those people. To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality. Now, let me say, this is a little bit tricky here. I, I want to ask the question here, whose glory are they seeking? Whose honor are they seeking? Well, obviously, as Christians, we should seek the glory of God in all that you do, whether you eat or whether you drink, do all for the glory of God. We should seek his honor before our own. 
But is that what Paul's talking about? See, I don't think so. I mean, look what he says. They seek for glory and honor and immortality. Obviously, Paul's talking about our own immortality. So I think he's clearly talking about seeking our own glory, our own honor, and our own immortality. Now, a lot of people right now would say, whoa, 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 wait just a second, Derek. That, Christians shouldn't do that. That, that would be self-seeking. That would be kind of a, a, a low motive. But you see, I disagree. You see, if there lurks in our mind this idea that Christians should never seek their own good, I, I just think that's unbiblical. In fact, the Bible over and over again promise, promises us rewards in order to motivate us. Luke 6.35, do good and lend and your reward will be great. Colossians 3.23 and 24, knowing that from the Lord you will receive an inheritance as your reward. 2 John 1, watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may, may win a full reward. The Bible has no problem with using rewards as, as motivation. See, I don't think that's the problem that God looks at us and, and thinks our desires for ourselves are too strong. I think the problem is God looks at us and realizes our desires for ourselves are actually too weak. C.S. Lewis said it this way, We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he can't imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea. We are far too easily pleased. Let's be honest. Think for just a moment. How many people do you know that are passionate about spiritual things? Passionate. More passionate than they are about shopping or hunting or football how how many of people are just passionate about spiritual things not very many the vast majority of people even spiritual people just kind of amble kind of coast or are, are fairly apathetic but see that's not the christian life that's not what god expects from us jeremiah 29 13 you will seek me and you'll find me when you seek me with all of your heart 1 Timothy 6.12, Paul writes to Timothy and says, fight the good fight of faith. Jesus said, strive to enter the narrow gate. See, those aren't apathetic words. Those are passionate words. There's no place for apathy in the Christian life. And so, in fact, far from being a bad thing, I think it's a good thing, a necessary thing, to seek glory and honor and immortality. So let's do that. Let's seek it. Let's pursue it. Let's love it. Let's crave it. Let's be more passionate about that than we are anything else on this earth. You see, I think that's Paul's point. Now, I do want you to, with that said, I, want, I do want you to see one more thing. I want you to notice the contrast between how Paul talks about the believer and how Paul talks about the unbeliever. He says, to those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But this is the unbeliever. But those who are self-seeking, now watch how he describes them, and do not obey the truth. See, that's the whole point of being self-seeking is you don't obey the truth. You see, Christians aren't seeking glory and honor and immortality by having a building named after them or a street named after them. See, we know those things only come one way, and that's through obedience to God and obedience to His Word. One final note. I talked a little bit there in, in verses 7 and 8 where he says, To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, He will give eternal life. Now, I want to hit on that phrase because I think there's a lot of mistakes sometimes amongst Christians. 
when you see the phrase eternal life in the Bible, the Bible, it's not talking about living forever. When it says he'll give us eternal life. See, everyone is going to live forever. Daniel 12, 2 said this, Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Everyone's going to live forever, believers and unbelievers. That's not what Paul is talking about. Eternal life means having the life of God within us. Now, that's kind of a hard concept to understand, so let me see if I can explain it this way. Think about it. A flower has life, right? We, we say that flower has died, which means it had life. A snail has life. A dog has life. A human being has life. But each of those lives are different. The life that a human has is a different form. It's, a, it's just different from, say, a dog. And, and each life is what makes someone who they are. But just as my life and your life is greater than the life of a dog, God's life is infinitely greater than ours. And Paul says he's going to give us that life, that eternal life. See, that's why knowing him, having him abide within you, that is eternal life. That's what Jesus said, and his, the best explanation is this. This is eternal life, not living forever. Eternal life means that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So I'll close tonight with this statement. Let's be passionate about that life. Let's be more passionate about that life than anything else in this temporal life that we're living right now. Let's pray. Father, as always, we thank you for your word. God, help us as Christians, as believers, to be passionate about that eternal life, to seek for that eternal life with everything that is within us, setting our eyes on Jesus Christ, setting our eyes on that finish line, that goal, and, and putting everything else, these temporal things aside, Help us to be passionate about that. And Father, we know when we do that, that good works are going to flow and your name is going to be glorified. We ask all this in your son's name. Amen. 